I V M I V M Hello everyone this is your daily NBA podcast coming to you from Monday to Friday I'm your host Monish and as always joined by Nishant this is Triangle Offense If you're supporting the Milwaukee Bucks, you should probably directly skip to the second segment of this podcast because it was that bad for them as they get as they got smacked by the Brooklyn Nets. In the other game, the Denver Nuggets were in charge, but like Denver Nuggets usually do, the Phoenix Suns in fact came back from behind to get the one game, first game in that all-important second round matchup. Lots to talk about in today's episode. Whether you're an established sports person or a budding one or simply a sports enthusiast join us Tanvi and Shlok We are two passionate pro badminton players talking policy mindset and everything sport So tune in to the Millennial Athlete every Monday only on the IVM Podcast Network Trust us it's going to be lit The Bucks faced off against the Nets in game 2 and they lost by 39 points This could have this could have well been 60 points if it was not for garbage time but both the teams decided to relax and rest their best players on court they lost by 39 points in a playoff game in game 2 when they were trailing 1-0 i don't know how to explain this kd did his thing got 32 points kyrie got 22 points yanis 18 and 11 nobody really cares about how much middleton got he had 7 from 20 drew holiday 13 and we you said about this in the first uh, in the previous episode where you said If Middleton and Drew Holiday are getting you just 30 points, there's no way that Milwaukee Bucks are going to win. And that's exactly how much how much they got in this game. They got 30 points. Yeah. We spoke about how the Bucks did everything except score the three in the first game. They restricted KD and uh, Kyrie to less than 60. They restricted the Bucks to less than 120. This game was an entire contrast because they didn't do either of them. KD and Kyrie assisted or scored on 80 plus of the points. Bucks themselves scored 86. Let's not forget that. And KD and Kyrie assisted and scored an 80 plus points. And after the first quarter, it was game over. I mean, there was no point of watching the game in the fourth quarter or even in the third quarter because the Nets at one point on time led by 49. What is really wrong with this Milwaukee Bucks team? Well, that's for them to figure out. Uh, for the coach to figure <laughs> out if they even want him to stay around for next season. Uh, but now I am officially sick and tired of the Bucks. This was the last draw. It should have been the last draw last season, and Giannis should have left. He signed that supermax. He decided to stay on. I don't know. Maybe he's one of those guys who will, who will stay forever in a in a shit franchise and get sympathy votes every year. Uh, but this is atrocious, and it's not it's not the coach, it's not the player, it's not one person that you blame. It's just it's just an all round org org failure. This there's no one person that can be blamed for this. Um, and it's not reacting to one game it is one game end of the day 39 points 89 points whatever it's one game you can come back but you're 2-0 down now in the series mm-hmm. and this was a one game that we let off after a one game in game 1 where they got beaten up both of yep. these games hardly had any james harden he was there for a few minutes in the first one and then he went out few seconds then and then <laughs> without without and then with that these guys try and um uh, you'd think they'd at least put up a show a fight uh it sickens me that in the fourth quarter they just chilled and their argument can't be because brooklyn were also um chilling so what are we going to gain by putting our best brooklyn has every right to chill they have a 35 40 45 point lead if 
this is the approach to playoff basketball you don't see this usually and it's a mentality thing you can make the scientific argument about recovery and fitness and why waste effort on a lost cause but if you are going to consider something a lost cause in the third quarter of a game regardless of what the deficit is if you can't even come out and play for pride that tells you something about usually there's a certain streak of maniacal thinking in every championship team there's there's just that bit of obsession that beats common knowledge and that beats scientific temperament and and i often i used to say this before right? that's what probably separates jordan from kobe is just jordan used to do some things cuz he didn't know better but kobe was way too smart to to be entirely unreasonable in his expectations right maybe that separated them so i know i did like that not a big fan of of milwaukee just letting it letting it go even if brooklyn put out their b team on the squad, on the court they should have been there to at least say face put some points up at least get into some kind of rhythm on shooting if you don't have hands in your face all all day like, at the very least practice some movements be setting screens i don't know do something because <laughs> it looked like they knew any of those things in the match um it was embarrassing i think this is a they're tunnel down now against this brooklyn team i, I don't know how they're going to come back if they can at all yeah um yeah, this is it's bad this is bad if i were <laughs> you know what uh, i mean they they chilled in the fourth quarter right they gave up on the game anyway yep. might as well mm-hmm. up on the season start talking about who you're going to Uh, trade who are going to lose oh, wow. who will keep <laughs> yeah i mean hey i mean why waste effort in a lost cause right you are two nil down why why bother just uh, you know send out the kids to play and think about what you'll do in the off season true but why do you think it went so bad because this is the milwaukee bucks best offense in the league and against brooklyn nets who's probably one of the worst defenses in the league at least going into the playoffs they scored 86 against the defense it's not surprising that the nets scored 125 you expect that from the nets yeah. so it's it's okay but scoring 86 against this nets uh, that what what's really wrong with them i mean what what went wrong what went right we we talked about how um you're not beating the nets come what may if you score less than 110 because mm-hmm. you're not holding their offense to less than that highly unlikely it'll be amazing if they do highly unlikely mm-hmm. and, and this we said when they scored like 107 or something like that the yep. bucks yep. said 110 is the minimum cut off you got to score more than that And then they score 86. What do I say? Uh, 86 was it? I don't even remember the fight. Yeah, 86. Okay. Um, they had an all-round failure. I don't think Brooklyn defended them particularly well. I don't think there was anything spectacular about Brooklyn's defense. Sure, they were there. They didn't lose shape. They were standing where they were supposed to be standing. That's as best <laughs> as can be said. Um, Brooklyn, Brooklyn just... Uh, Milwaukee just joked. Their three-point shooting was atrocious. Yeah. And this is one of the was wasn't it a top three team in three shooting in the yeah fourth fourth yeah okay um that, they joked and Brooklyn hit a bunch of them let's yeah. I'm gonna skip the talk of uh, about Brooklyn because whatever I say about Brooklyn explains the margin of victory doesn't right. quite explain why Milwaukee only managed to put together eighty six on the board true so so Brooklyn did a bunch of stuff well they saw their mid range blah 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 three pointers all good uh, transition offense I thought was was um, unforgiving from brooklyn really mm-hmm. uh points of turnovers points in in transition fast break you would next they're not the fastest team in the world yeah but if anyone remembers that blake griffin uh blind pass that resulted in a kevin durant alley oop dunk oh, yeah. Class, yeah so they can do it they can kind of do it the only thing that the bucks dominated the nets in was points in the paint and that's largely due to their superstar true um outside of that mid range atrocious three point don't even talk about it 
rebounds how do you how do you get they didn't get out rebounded but it was tight it was within one or two rebounds of each other the nets and the bucks that's unforgivable when you've yeah. got yanis when you've got brook lopez how in the world do you get out rebounded by a kd who doesn't really come in that often by a, whoever else the brooklyn puts on the floor including a blake griffin that i don't know uh scammed detroit for a season and a half <laughs> that he was almost done like he was a retiree and, and then he comes back and and does this they it was just a it was a terrible night their rotations didn't work it didn't look like they were running any plays um you you recognize bad offense when you see it right when they're just aimlessly whipping the ball around the perimeter no clue nobody's making any movement these yeah. guys just getting this is hot potato get the ball out of my hands as going well, nowhere yeah. shot clock's winding down nobody's making any movement finally somebody has to take a shot or you try some well conceived pass and then it's a turnover and then brooklyn punish you at the other end this was a hapless display i don't even think it merits any further analysis yeah it's it's really sad to discuss because this was the most awaited playoff game that yeah. we were looking forward to and it's turned out to be so one sided that it's kind of disappointing kind of makes me wonder how bad actually miami were because of this this <laughs> milwaukee bucks team swept them like without yeah. a contest yeah. it makes me wonder how bad they were and sometimes i'm optimistic that teams can come back even from 2-0 down sure. but when you lose by a margin of 40 points I find that very difficult because your morale takes a beating, your confidence takes a beating. How do you come back from yeah. losing by forty points? So, if anything, Milwaukee went down from a two-nil lead before. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. There have been uh, four hundred and thirty teams that have gone two-nil down in the history of playoffs, and only twenty-eight have yeah. come back and won. So that's like a six percent success rate. And I don't think this Milwaukee Bucks team is good enough anymore to come come back and win four times in six, uh, four times in the next six what, five games. Yeah. yeah, I mean, at this stage, would you bet on them even if it was a fifty-fifty success rate? Like, it's it's so bad. Not after a forty-point loss. Yeah. If it and was a close per- loss, yeah, probably. Yeah, and that six percent, by the way, uh, the teams that came back from a two-nil uh, deficit uh, includes a conference final series where Kawhi and the Raptors came down from two-nil down against drumroll, uh, Giannis <laughs> and the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> Okay, before we make this a little more sadder, we should move on to the next game where the yes. Suns took on the Nuggets. That was a little more exciting. The Nuggets yeah. were actually leading by 10 in the third quarter before the Phoenix Suns went on a 16-0 run and took the lead into the fourth quarter. And then you thought Denver would make this typical Denver kind of close game. But then Chris Paul came back and he took charge. He took control. Yeah. He scored 12 points in the first four minutes of the fourth quarter. Three threes and then one two-point play where he got also a free throw. And that it was game over then. 122-105. Final score. Incredibly, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, Mikael Bridges, all of them scored 20 plus for <laughs> Phoenix Suns. So you can't really uh, hand out one player of the game because all of them were incredibly good. Jokic ended up as the top scorer of the game, 22 points. But real- in reality, I think it was a very disappointing game for him because he was not the Nikola Jokic we know. He was not the MVP that we have been rooting for all season. It, yeah. it was kind of disappointing to see him. He got 22 points, all right, but... This is not the Jokic that we were expecting. I just feel like um, in terms of desire and confidence, the Suns really do seem to believe this is their year. Mm-hmm. And, and going all the way and beating the Lakers, that's got to be a big boost to confidence. True. Right? Because True. Um, they started strong, but Denver was just as good. It wasn't like yep. Phoenix was slow. And they, they started as well as they usually do, but Denver matched them. Um, yep. But the Suns kept improving steadily, slowly, bit by bit, each quarter. And they closed strong. Denver kind of tapered off after halftime. The problem with the Suns is, and, and 
it's probably the chris paul effect that with shooters like booker and he's not mm-hmm. necessarily a three shooter but he can put points up no matter what so yep. with, with scorers let's just say scorers like booker mm-hmm. and they've got that 3 and d angle they've got pay and who can come in they've got uh, why am i blanking on his name the long-haired dude from Miami Crowder. <laughs> Jay Crowder. I don't know why I'm thinking of Crawford for a second. Yeah, yeah. So Crowder, um, when you got Payne and Crowder and all these guys knocking down threes and Bridges once in a while gets hot and streaky from three, um, they, they always have a good quarter in them. One blitz, one yep. high-scoring quarter. And and whenever they, they get going and uh, they start building momentum, they automatically start playing, they show, uh, start showing more desire on defense. Bridges swipes at you a little more. Payne is all over you. Booker attempts some defense. He's not bad. He's not great either. And and all the trash talking begins. Aiton's eight eight pumped up. So they have a good quarter in them at some point or the other. Against the Lakers, it was they would come out all guns blazing. Just explode in that first quarter and the game was over before you knew it. With um with the Nuggets, it happened to be in, in the third quarter. Now you can't, I, I don't think it's, it's necessarily a game plan where they pick a quarter to explode. Sometimes mm-hmm. it just works and they're very good at building momentum. The problem is with these guys, you cannot keep it to the fourth quarter, unlike with some other teams. You can't take it to that fourth quarter as you did with the Clippers last season, if you're the Denver Nuggets, mm-hmm. or, or a bunch of other teams, because these guys finish strong. No matter when they have that hot quarter or when they have that hot streak, they finish strong, and that's the Chris Paul effect. True. Fourth quarter, he took over. He took over against the Lakers in that closeout game. He took yep. over uh, in, in this game, in the fourth quarter. It, regardless of the stats, he controls the fourth quarter. He determines whether it's going to be high-tempo transition offense or run down the shot clock, wear them down, pick your battles, get your pick-and-roll switches, blah, blah, blah. It's his game. He controls everything. Yeah. And when that happens, it's difficult to mount a comeback. Fourth mm-hmm. quarters not the best time to to try and come back. In fact, if the Milwaukee Bucks play the... Um, play the Phoenix Suns, that's when they should give up in the fourth quarter. Like, just sit, sit your team on the bench, but otherwise don't. But, yeah, so I, I'm very impressed with this uh, with the Suns team. Distributed scoring, no one superstar. Everyone showed up. Four people, I think, at 20 plus. Bridges, yep. Paul, Booker, yep. Aiton. Um, they're nice. They're legit. I mean, for good reason, they were my pick over the Nuggets. Uh, only because, and like I said, if this was Jamal Murray and the Nuggets, mm-hmm. Uh, this would be one hell of a series. This would probably be then the series of the true of the of the season, right? But uh, without, I just think Phoenix have too much firepower. I, I don't think the Nuggets' offense can match. Neither team's outstanding at defense, but Phoenix is better there too. So, I agree. I agree. Someone on Twitter uh, actually said this, pointed this out, and said Chris Paul is like the guy who puts everyone to sleep in the fourth quarter, and yeah. then when everyone slept, he pulls his dagger and right. just kills right. him. So right. it was exactly like that because he slows down the game so much, and then he hits those threes when nobody's looking. It's it's incredible. I told you it's <laughs> Nadal bouncing the ball before serving. It's yeah. 10, 20, 22 bounces. I mean, just serve already. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, the Nuggets have beaten the Phoenix Suns twice this uh, this year in the regular season, but in both those games, I looked at the box scores and I noticed that the the backcourt is no. It's not at all similar to what they have put out in the court for this game because that backcourt had Jamal Murray, that yeah, backcourt yeah. had PJ Dozier, that backcourt had Will Barton. Mm. And now you go on to a game with Campazzo, you get, go on with Austin Rivers. I didn't even know if he played today because he was entirely missing. Like, yeah. did he even score any points? <laughs> but, yeah, he had uh, single digit something. Yeah, no surprises there. <laughs> so, uh, it, it was that difference. Do you think the Phoenix Suns are just too strong on the roster strength that the Nuggets have no chance against them? Uh, 
yeah i but more than more than just the personnel or the or the depth i just think they have better they have better scoring they really do unless mm-hmm. mpj and jokic need jokic needs to do better that we know i think it was just yep. an off night but yep one of gordon or austin rivers has to be right up there in and around the 20 points a night sort of thing yep and then the other guy can do what he does like that 10 11 points and some defense True. They they need that much support to beat the Suns because today it was distributed on some nights it'll just be Booker taking off for forty, but yeah. they'll put up points on the board and that's that's the problem that's that's where I picked Phoenix because their offense is too strong way too strong against Denver against team that doesn't defend in the first place they True. could barely hold off Portland with one guy where everyone in the arena knows who's going to shoot <laughs> um, this with like three legit twenty plus point threats. Plus a bunch of three and D guys who can actually knock down the three at a consistent uh, yep. level. It's, it's too much. It's too much for them to overcome, and they defend. Yeah, we know that Booker and CP3 are getting more points than uh, Austin Rivers and Campazzo. So the whole battle was between Jokic and Aiton, and you must say that Aiton has really stood up for himself in this series, hasn't he? Because mm. Jokic has this tendency of getting the other big man in foul trouble early on, and then dominate him for the rest of the game. This game. Denver Nuggets went to the line just six times. They just got six free throws in the entire game, and Jokic got none of them. Yeah, that actually says a lot about Aiton's defending of Jokic, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I want to see one more game though. Uh, mm-hmm. Entirely possible this is an off night. What if Jokic comes aggressive from the tip off, uh, mm-hmm. takes him to the post? Will he still be as disciplined? I don't think so. I think he'll commit a few fouls. Will he get into foul trouble early? That's what will be interesting. But uh, Aiton definitely did well for himself in in game one. Uh, mm-hmm. Enough to. um make a player like jokic go home smarting and want to come back uh, aggressive and that's credit to you when you when you're playing against greats like that mm-hmm. if you can get them pissed off enough to come back at you uh, if jokic starts aggressively the next game if i'm eight and i'm thinking i did my job in game one now now the real challenge right so mm-hmm. uh, also by the way the backcourt was backcourt thing uh, of course phoenix is backcourt is superior i don't think it's even a comparison yep. and god bless them when they tried to play will barton <laughs> in the backcourt that was out of position but um even if they do uh, Let's say the backcourt battle is always going to be won by Phoenix, even if the Jokic versus Aiton battle is critical. Mm-hmm. I think the real, real difference in the series will come down to the other starters and the squad players and how they step up. Right. Because for um, Denver, you can match an Aiton with a Jokic. You can match the backcourt with backcourt, but then you've got Michael Porter Jr. Mm-hmm. and he should be uh, outscoring Bridges. Right. That shouldn't be. That that has to happen. That didn't happen. Has to happen. That's mm-hmm. it. And then they've got um, a bunch of role players stepping up, like Monte Morris and Green and 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 so on. Uh, Millsap apparently has discovered some sort of touch again. I yep. thought he was done. <laughs> Looked like an Al Horford situation, but mm-hmm. he's back. All of these guys will have to put points up. They'll need all of that. It takes a village to bring down that Phoenix offense. But the problem is, like I've said before, Phoenix have a village of their own. <laughs> Both of us picked the Phoenix Suns in six, and we are well on track. Do you think yeah. it'll still go to six, or it should be much easier for the Suns after this game one? No, I think we're re- then we'll probably be reading too much into to one game. I think Denver has a fight in them. Okay. Jokic MVP, you gotta assume he can make a game or two at least, True. if not the series, right? So not writing them off entirely. I I won't even say there's zero percent chance they'll win the series. I just think I favor the Suns in six heavily. All right. So those were the games today. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another week on the IBM Podcast Network. If you're not following us on social media, please do. We're IBM Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. 
We'd like to thank the sponsors on the network this week, Siet and Cred. We really appreciate the support. It is what makes this possible. So it was a fun week on Cider Says. We had guests like Dolly Singh, we had Kunit Monga, we had Kamya Jani of Curry Tales, and Cock and Bull, as we always did. Do check it out. I think you'll really, really enjoy that. On Paisa Vesa, we crossed 300 episodes, and Anupam was joined by Akhil Handa, the digital head of Bank of Baroda. All things policy discussed topics like the hundred years of China's Communist Party, the Facebook versus the Government of India case, and the evolution of Indian science. On the Wire Talk, Siddharth Bhatia was joined by Gautam Bhatia to discuss the Central Vista project and why it's attracting so much flack. Siddharth and Archita are back on the Non-Curry podcast, and this time they raise the temperatures as they discuss the beloved spice mirchi. On the Millennial Athlete, this week Tanvi and Shlok speak to Sarita Chowdhury, a visually impaired judoist. And finally, I want to ask you all to give a listen to the Triangle Offense. Anybody who has heard me talk on a podcast knows I can't shut up about basketball, and these guys know more about it than I do. So if you enjoy basketball, do check this out. Nishant and Monish do an excellent job with this show. I was one of their guests a few months ago, which is how I met them and tried to convince them to come onto the network, and they're finally here. So definitely do check this out. Shows available on all major podcasting platforms, but they also have a daily YouTube episode, which is available on the IVM Podcast channel. And with that, let me get you back to your show. Uh, fun games coming up tomorrow. The Jazz take on the Clippers. That's that's one matchup I'm looking to looking forward to because. I genuinely believe the Clippers, although they did this incredible comeback and exercise the demons and all of that, I really think the Jazz should beat them. I think the Jazz are very underrated. They are the number one team in the West. They've proved it multiple times this season. They went down against the first in the first game against the Grizzlies. They came back as well. They completely dominated the Grizzlies, you must say, yeah, yeah. in the end. And I think uh, they have enough firepower to beat the Clippers. They do. Uh, I don't think they will. I think this is choke on choke action. This will be <laughs> the battle of the chokes. <laughs> yeah, no jokes apart. I, I think I think the Clippers should want it more. I'll be surprised. Did you say no chokes apart? I almost <laughs> did. The Clippers should want it more um, because that this is this is reputation. Jazz lose, what's gonna happen? They were overachievers anyway in most people's eyes. Clippers mm-hmm. lose, um, apocalypse. So I think well, that's that's the blowout I'm waiting for, <laughs> which is not necessarily in favor of the Clippers. They don't usually do well when there's this level of pressure on them. But but I think they're being, I think all of us in in jest uh, judge them a little too harshly. Mm-hmm. I would have judged them only too fairly had they choked against uh, choked in round one, but they didn't. To their credit, they fought back, and that to an extent you'd have to believe is. them setting such low expectations that anything they did after that seemed like a a win for the clippers it shouldn't have gone to game 7 against a team where there was just one guy playing basketball um it shouldn't have gone to game 7 it shouldn't have taken all your might to bring down the mavs but it did hope some lessons learned they have a good coach they have a um a good team and and kawai seems to be in dominator mode again that's a tough beat that's a tough beat for for anyone to to stop Kawhi, Kawhi playing like that. Okay. All he needs is, as long as Marcus Morris, Jackson, one of these guys can support on any given night with some shooting, mm-hmm. they're in good shape. Uh, Utah have as distributed an offense as Phoenix, if not better, probably yep. better. Probably better, yeah. But you know how it goes with Utah. When their three shooting is off, they're off. True. Uh, <laughs> Clippers have a good defense. It'll be an interesting battle. Uh, I don't think it'll be as one-sided as people expect it to be. I think it'll be an interesting battle. I'm actually f- favoring the Clippers to win in six. 
All right, we'll see how that goes. The other game, the Sixers should make a comeback against the Hawks, don't you think? Yeah, 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 yeah. But they, if they don't, they can just shut down the franchise. <laughs> if they, if they don't happen, like them, Milwaukee, just just don't come to the postseason from next season if if this happens. Yeah, you should just send MB to the WWE to tag team with yeah, Triple yeah. H or something like that. Then. <laughs> yeah, and I know both have been conference finalists in recent times, but just stop, just stop playing. I'd I'd much rather watch Boston when Jalen Brown is back uh, in the postseason. <laughs> Because they at least put up a feisty effort in every match, win or lose, then then watch these guys. So yeah, yeah, they should come back though. They should get a win. All right then. So that's the time we have for today. Uh, I'll catch up after tomorrow's games. That's going to be a fun uh, matchup. The Clippers and the Jazz. Looking forward to it and looking forward to the talk after. All right, matches. Hey, if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to check out our other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can listen to us on the IVM podcast app, ivmpodcasts.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on our social media. We're at IVM Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to reach out to us at Triangle Offense, and you know you do, you know you want to reach out to us and tell us that our opinions on your favorite players are trash. You want to tell us Magic Johnson is still better than Steph Curry and you don't think Steph Curry has changed the game. For all that and more, reach out to us at Try Offense Pod. That's T-R-I-O-F-F-E-N-S-E Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. If you love cricket, listen up. The Edges and Sledges Cricket Podcast is here for you. Hosted by DJ, Varun, and me, Ashwin, we bring a fun, fresh fan's point of view to talking all things cricket. Sometimes it's just the three of us, sometimes we have guests, including current and former international cricketers. For new episodes every week, check out the Edges and Sledges Cricket Podcast on the IVM app, website, or wherever you get your podcasts. Working Monday to Friday glued to your chair making you feel dull? Worry not. Get your 5-minute weekly dose of travel around the world with postcards from nowhere. Join me every Thursday as I explore the strange, obscure and fascinating parts of the world and bring out facets of travel you may not have thought of before. You can find us on the IBM Podcast app, website or wherever you get your podcasts from.